3: Out of the pen, out of the bound, second hour of Sports Talk. Greetings to you. I am Scott Beatty. Evan Kahn has tagged in, and we are glad to be carrying on till 6 o'clock when our sports bonanza will just be halfway over because then it is the ServPro Prep Football Confidential powered by the U of I Army ROTC. Colin Lycus will be hosting the program. Matt Daniels sitting in as well tonight. And then at 7 o'clock, the Brett Bielma Show, live from Papa Dells. Ryan Barnhart back to host that. And Illini football players Tariq Barnes and Alex Palcheski also will be on hand for that. So that's coming up. This hour, we'll visit with Mike Barber. He writes for the Richmond Times-Dispatch, covering the Virginia Cavaliers. And we'll talk to him about Illinois' opponent. I predict somebody that wears orange and blue will win on Saturday. Good to see you, Evan. Hello. Had Good a nice afternoon. time yesterday out at Riggs. Now we're back in the confines of our studio. And uh, lots of, uh, yeah, I would, well, we heard the, the U.S. Open headline with Francis Tiafoe uh, advancing uh, baseball uh, division pennant races are going on. The White Sox, to their credit, have come back from a 4 nothing deficit and are leading Seattle 5-4 to four right now in that one. Milwaukee loses today. Despite a 499-foot blast from Christian Yelich, a little easy. Was that yesterday? Yeah, that was yesterday. Oh, I saw the highlight. I thought it was today's.
4: No, that was last night. It was an absolute bomb, though. All right. I think it was. I was deceived because it happened when the sun was up.
3: (laughs) So I thought it was today's game.
4: Yeah, I think they had back-to-back day games or, or something like that. Well, I no, that remember. might have been the early part of the game, but yeah, your and, point Yeah, and stands. I can't remember exactly what it was the longest home run since, but, yeah, it was just an absolute shot. It's
3: the longest home run since 2019. Was that what it was? Cast. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
4: Um,
3: easier to do in Denver, but not easy to do.
4: No, no. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah, it's like you know watching watching golfers, and it's like they they hit it three hundred yards, and you're like, yeah, I could do that, and you get up there, and it's like one ninety. Yep. But anyway, uh, the more important point is Milwaukee
3: lost, mm-hmm. so that helps out the Cardinals, who continue their series um, tonight, and they've got the Washington Nationals Cubs against Cincinnati tonight, and the White Sox is now six to four. Well, you look away, and these guys just score. And, then, and they say baseball's boring. I know. They've combined for 10 runs already out there in Seattle. Have you ever been out to s- I've only been no. one time. It was about this time of year, I don't know, 15 years ago or so. Gorgeous. Mm. I totally recommend it. And it was 72 degrees and sunny. For three straight days. I don't know what uh, all this so, rain is so, about.
4: So you picked the, the three weeks of summer in
3: Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible city. And a great sports town, too. Mm-hmm. Even though they have a lot to distract themselves with in terms of outdoor stuff and oceans and mountains and whatever else one does and, and I don't know, coffee and grunge rock, whatever you do in Seattle.
4: yeah. I'm surprised, and maybe it'll come back around, it. expansion talks kind of got quieted when we went through a global pandemic, but for Seattle to not have an NBA team, I, I think that's high on their list. It always struck get, me as weird when they first that. left. Yeah, for, for OKC, I mean, a very fine market, nothing wrong with OKC, but over Seattle? Yeah, it's uh, Boomtown now, too. Yeah. you
3: want to weigh in, you can. That's the Castle Heating and Cooling text line. New school year is in full swing. Go time for the teachers. You want to appreciate a teacher, you can help them out. We're teaming up with Duncan, brewing up a perfect way to say thank you to your favorite teacher. In celebration of all local educators, you can submit the name of your favorite teacher right now for a chance to win them a $25 gift card to Duncan. WDWS.com. Click the contest link page to enter your favorite teacher for a chance for them to win from Duncan. Big Ten women's basketball schedule dropped today, so the dates and opponents are all complete on their calendar. Just no times set yet for much of those. But the women will uh, open up Big Ten play against Indiana on the road on December 4th, and then the Big Ten home opener is December 7th against Rutgers. That's a Wednesday, so it's a Sunday on the road to start against Indiana. It's a bit of a tough draw to start things out. And again, when you're coming out of the basement of the Big Ten conference standings, everything's a tough draw, right?
4: Well, you look at that schedule, they play at home on November 21st, they play at home on December 21st, and there's only one other home game in between there. You've got trips to Bloomington, you've got a bragging rights game in there, I think they've got an MTE uh Pretty pretty tough stretch. They're they're going to get tested pretty early. I, I know the beginning slate as far as the games at the State Farm Center. Not too many names in there, and we already knew about those games. But now that you you add in the the Indiana to get Big Ten play going, um, they're they're going to get tested right there in December and, and headed right into Big Ten play. So, Shauna Green, <laughs> you better be ready. I
3: think there's probably a time and place when Shauna Green thinks about a tougher non-conference schedule, but want some probably want some dubs right now mm-hmm. and um, whatever other logistical challenges come with setting a schedule. Because we talked with Chris Thomas yesterday, one and three start for volleyball team, but they're all pretty good teams that, mm-hmm. that they've played, win or loss. Michigan State, 6-0, and oh, not a very good schedule that they've started in, in volleyball, but that's a new head coach. Maybe she's trying to build up a bank of W's just to get the team going and get a spark. Before you go into Big Ten play, different philosophies, different strokes, different folks.
4: Well, in a different leagues with different rating systems that, that get you into the postseason. And I think you see with Michigan State, it's kind of what you see with Big Ten baseball. Really, nobody goes out there and challenges themselves in the non-conference because you don't really know what you got, and then you get in the conference play and there's not much to build it up. So if you don't use that time to build your RPI, then what you got Whereas with basketball, RPI is not as big as it once was and the Big yeah, Ten. The net is now the thing. In the Big Ten, uh for women's basketball it is arguably just as good as it is in men's. You know, six eight teams consistently, they're pretty good uh, as far as tournament goes. So there's time to build that up. But uh, excited to to get basketball going. But I'm gonna I'm gonna let fall sit in for a while. Though. Mm-hmm. I like rolling the windows down, enjoying the outdoors, sunshine at five seventeen. That's gonna be gone before we know it.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Chase Brown, how about Chase Brown? Doak Walker Award watch list already, and they've started handing out a running back of the week award, and he gets it. Not, not for the Big Ten, not for the region, for the nation. Chase Brown, 36 carries, 199 yards. That should get you a sheesh of the week from Evan.
4: Yeah, I and mean, not including... A flea flicker pass, uh, what should have been forwards pass that went backwards and got him clobbered. I think he had a reception as well. I get it. Almost threw a touchdown. Yeah. Chase Brown's the, the man. You want to, you want to feed the beast. But the fact that he's already averaging 30 touches a game through two weeks and (laughs) we've got 13 more weeks of this to go. Uh, I, hopefully the, the rest of the running back room and Josh McCray can get healthy and be productive. Shout out to Chase Brown for, for carrying the offense right now, though. We heard from Illini center Alex Pilstrom about the offensive
3: line play. And have been talking about the the offensive line was more physical against Indiana. They, they, they won that. But obviously there were breakdowns, notably the fourth and goal opportunity and other things as well that did cause Tommy DeVito to end up on his back. A little bit from Alex Pilstrom here on the offensive line.
1: It's all about communication. Uh, obviously, three new guys on the interior we, we gotta learn how to talk to each other and gotta learn how how we communicate and like for for me being here like last year it's a lot different uh Zy's not the same person as doug or uh, jack dominic so i think that's the biggest thing just learn how each other play and Learning how each other like take different angles and stuff like that, so I think that's the f- first two games are really important to see that, and we'll just keep improving on it. We've heard Coach Miller talk about like, a lot of that is on center. And yeah, you, there's a lot of responsibility yeah. guys. Where how much do you kind of take on um, sure to ensure that communication? Absolutely, it's it's a it's I, I don't want to say it's all on me, but it, it's a lot of it's on me. I, I have to be better, and I have to communicate better, and you know it's a lot different. I don't new positions. It's a lot of stuff like compared to guard and making that those calls, but. I had to be better with it, and I, I'm excited for the challenge. I, I know I can do it. It's just keep getting those reps, and I'm excited where it can go.
3: The encouraging and discouraging thing at the last, at the same time, is the breakdowns were communication. I would assume because usually, when defensive linemen come in untouched into the backfield as the ball's being handed off, somebody just didn't do their job, mm-hmm. or did a job they didn't know they. We're not supposed to do right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they like did a the two job on one. You didn't and, do the right and,
4: job. Yeah, zero on, on one kind of situation, and and that's the kind of the way it looks. And, and yeah, I mean, you're looking at Pilstrom. He, he's a guy who's changed positions what two, three times now in his five years. Put on a, a hundred pounds, and the center really is the the captain of that line. And you just get so spoiled with having Doug Kramer, who had been a center, you know, even going back to high school. So so you've got these ideas and these concepts and how it works. Pilstrom was a tight end right so so he wasn't he was doing some blocking but it's completely different as well as snapping the ball and and being ready for it and and you've seen it he's he's had a little bit of a a learning curve and doing those reps in practice aren't the same as getting stunts in in real games and and all all kinds of different rushes so they've got the talent there Uh, that's not what we're concerned about and we had this same kind of discussion last year, right? After the Virginia game, I think there were a lot of sacks. Everybody's like, I thought the offensive line was supposed to be, you know, the backbone of this team, and then the the last 10 weeks they figured it out. So, it it might take some time, and that's tough to hear because you're playing games that count right away, but they they've got the makings of a pretty good offensive line.
3: We'll see what Virginia has to offer at least from the perspective of Mike Barber from the Richmond Times Dispatch. He will join us next. You've got Sports Talk. Wednesday sports talk on Newstalk 1493.9 FM. It's Scott and Evan here for this hour. Then our prep football confidential program, and then it's the Brett Dilma show here until eight o'clock. No White Sox baseball tonight. They're playing right now, leading six to four. You'll hear them tomorrow night. Mike Barber covers the Virginia Cavaliers for the Richmond Times Dispatch, and he's good enough to join us. From oh I can't think of the nickname of Virginia, but I remember Virginia is for lovers. So I'll I'll do, I'll do that as my plug for for the great state of Virginia, the great Commonwealth. I beg your pardon, Mike. Great to have you with us.
0: Good to be on. Yeah, I, I came from here from New Jersey twenty years ago, and that was one of the things that they beat into me is it's a Commonwealth, <laughs> not a state, which uh, seems unnecessary, but, but here we are.
3: <laughs> I can't even tell you the difference. No. Uh, <laughs> Well, things are different for Virginia, and things are the same for Virginia. Still, Brennan Armstrong, who is, uh, uh, excuse me, Bryce, no, no, Brennan Armstrong, who is uh, approaching the career yardage record for the school, but a totally new offensive line and a totally new coaching staff. What did you learn about the Cavaliers in their Week One victory over an FCS team in Richmond?
0: Yeah, you know, they're they're designed to be a different kind of offense. Um they're designed to be shorter throws, uh scheme up for the yards as opposed to the offense we saw a year ago where they kind of aired it out more. Um they're designed to be more bounce, more 50-50 run pass. Uh they're designed to be less quarterback run. Now, they still have the same pieces as last year. So, <laughs> we still saw a 56-yard touchdown bomb. We still saw a 62-yard touchdown run by Brennan Armstrong. Uh, You know, these are skill sets that these guys have. But in terms of the design of the offense, um, it's different in that regard. It it is more taking some underneath throws. Uh, Brendan Armstrong said to me after the game, he said, you know, the number one critique of my play today was I didn't always take what the defense gave me. And Richmond, I think he was able to attack and and make some plays, even though it wasn't the design of the offense. And, And I think their thought process is, Things are going to be infinitely more difficult against Illinois, so he needs to make the right read, uh, not just kind of out-talent people.
3: The game against Illinois last year was sort of a watershed moment for the Illini defense after they lose that game 42-14. to Changes were made schematically. The defensive coordinator, Ryan Walters, decides to come down from the box and be on the sidelines. That's where he's been ever since, and the defense played a lot better. Does Virginia uh do you think uh recognize that this this uh could be a very different ball game than than last year?
0: Oh, 100%. I I think that's been um, there's really been no talk of what they did last year in part because uh it, it is a new coaching staff. In fact, at one point Tony Elliott even referred to uh the, the last year as saying Virginia beat Illinois last year. Um You know, it's funny to kind of talk about almost like in the third person, like, hey, I wasn't a part of that. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's um, I think the mindset is very much, hey, this is a new Virginia. This is a a better and a new Illinois. Um, And I don't think that they're I don't think they're going to hang their hat on some of the success they had last season.
3: Talking with Mike Barber covers the Cavaliers for the Richmond Times-Dispatch.
4: Hey Mike, this is Evan. You you brought up Tony Elliott and and the the whole revamp coaching staff. Really, how is the team and the community taken to him after Bronco Mendenhall really kind of built things up there, got the the program on solid footing, and really, as far as I know, weren't expecting him to to step down at the end of last season. So how has Tony Elliott come in after being a a Clemson alum and and winning all the, the things that he did there, coming in and being the head man?
0: Yeah, Evan, you bring up a great point, right? Like, usually there's a lot of excitement about a new coach, in part because people wanted the old guy out, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> so it's kind of like, hey, good, we're, we've we've gotten rid of the old guy. Let's get a new guy in. Tony didn't have any of that, um, you know, kind of built-in goodwill. People were very happy with Bronco. They were very happy with the direction of the program. Um, and then here comes this change. Now, I think he's been received pretty well. Uh, he did a great job of embracing former players. Uh, really, right from his introductory press conference, he made them a big part uh, of the program. And he's got a bunch of alums on his staff. Uh, he retained Marcus Hagens, who is a very excellent wide receiver coach, but also uh, an alum and a popular face around the program. He's got Clint Sintom coaching his linebackers, who was a star, and he brought in Chris Slate, who is you know as big a name as as there's maybe been in Virginia on the defensive side of the ball. And um, so those moves kind of really help people say, okay, we like his pedigree. He comes from Clemson, where they know how to win. We like his respect for the program, even though he's an outsider. Uh, the hires he made kind of showed that. Um, so I think. I think he's gotten off to a, you know, a good start, but you, you guys know the deal. If he wins, they're <laughs> going to love Tony Elliott. And if he loses, it doesn't matter what he says, who he hires, uh, who he is, he's going to be in trouble. So uh, Tony understands that you know coming from Clemson. And, um, but I think so far, so good. We're still in the honeymoon phase. Uh,
4: did, did he bring that new-look offense with him? Is he running things on, on that side of the ball, or has he handed things off to his OC?
0: Uh, he, he's involved. But he's also got uh, Des Kitchings uh, as his offensive coordinator. Des most recently was with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, he'd been around the ACC with NC State. So the offense is, <laughs> to use like a like term my daughter would use it, it's a mashup. <laughs> it's a, 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 a little bit of, of Tony Elliott and Clemson. It's a little bit of Des Kitchings and where he's been. And honestly, it's a little bit of, of Robert and I and Jason Beck and what they did last year. I mean, there's some stuff on film, guys, and, and you know this that Virginia did last year that nobody's going to be in a hurry to get rid of. So um, I think they've done a nice job of of blending the three, um, and it seems like the players grasp the offense, fit the offense, uh, and so far it's working for them.
3: What have you learned, Mike, in a week, and what questions remain about an entirely new offensive line?
0: (laughs) I I will say this. I, I had very low expectations for the offensive line. So I have come around to believe that that they can be functional. Um, Can they be good? I still need to see them do it against somebody else. And with all due respect to Richmond, um, if they were an atrocity, if they were a train wreck, I think they would have had trouble with Richmond. But they were certainly good enough to to do the things they wanted to do, run the football uh, against Richmond. But they had some some breakdowns. Now, a lot of those breakdowns were at other positions, Uh, running backs picking up the blitz. A couple timing issues that that got Brennan Armstrong hit, but I'll be very curious to see. Um, You know, there's been a lot of talk. In fact, I just posted an article uh, this week about the Big Ten mindset and and what does that mean. And there there are four guys on this roster who played in the Big Ten who can kind of talk to their teammates about a conference that prides itself on being physical, on running, uh, running the ball physically, stuffing the run. And um, can this offensive line do it against that kind of an opponent uh, who has the size? that illinois has you know illinois is a lot bigger than richmond on both the offensive and defensive line and the mindset i mean brett bielema people can say what they want about his sec you know jaunt there but brett bielema is a big 10 guy and then this is the league he fits in his style and um you know Virginia's going to get a real good look at at what that style is
3: mm-hmm. how about the virginia running back the transfer from miami and cody brown how has he looked
0: well, we haven't seen much of Cody. He got dinged up in camp, so we haven't really seen him. He's been cleared. He's supposed to play this week. Ronnie Walker, the transfer from Indiana, he was just cleared and turned loose in practice today. There's a chance we see him. But the guy who won the job uh, is a former walk-on named Paris Jones, who, um, you know, for me and in, in my untrained eye, I thought they were praising Paris Jones to try to motivate some of these other guys. And then they got out there for the first series against Richmond, and there's Paris Jones. And they get out there for the second series, and there's Paris Jones. And um, he, he's the guy, and he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He ran for 104 yards in a score, uh, he caught a touchdown pass. So it's interesting. They've got, if you went by pedigree, the depth chart would probably be upside down. <laughs> uh, Paris Jones seems like the guy who should be at the bottom, but uh, he's the guy they're riding right now. Like I said, they are very focused and committed to having a traditional run game, that's something that they didn't really do under Bronco Mendenhall. It wasn't really a goal. I mean, <laughs> Bronco was perfectly happy with Brennan Armstrong throwing it 55 times, and um, the defense kind of geared up for shootouts, and that's the way it went.
3: Mike Barber joining us from the Richmond Times Dispatch.
4: Now, Mike, we know that that betting lines aren't everything, but Vegas came out early on Illinois side, and it continues to move to Illinois side. And, and for the life of me, even being in the area and knowing the Illini very well, I don't get it. Where where is the big glaring weakness that I'm missing with Virginia that Illinois could take advantage of?
0: Yeah, well, I think matchups matchup wise, this isn't a great matchup for Virginia. Even against Richmond, they struggled with their run defense. Uh, I thought their tackling was fine. I thought they were usually in position, but but they gave up good rushing yardage. Now, they played the first half without their starting inside linebacker, Josh Ahern, and, and again, this might just be a miss by me. I didn't think that was going to be a big deal. He was suspended from the end of last season in a targeting call. Um, but when he came in in the second half, the yards per carry dropped by about half a yard per carry, which is a pretty big difference. But I think if you're Vegas, what you're looking at is an Illinois team that's big and wants to run the football and a Virginia team that in the last three years hasn't been very good stopping the run. Uh, now they've addressed the big plays, which was a huge issue for this team a year ago. Uh, but I, I think that, you know, that's the, the matchup that, that would scare me if I'm a Virginia fan is saying, Hey, this team still appears to have trouble with run defense. And now they're playing a team that I imagine is going to run it until you make them throw it.
4: Do you cover Virginia on the basketball floor as well?
0: I do, I do. How, how is Tony that, that, Bennett's
4: group looking? We might get get a, another matchup out in Vegas between the, the two schools.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to that Vegas trip. In fact, I was just looking at different hotels. But uh, no, they're, they're looking in great shape. They bring back their top six scores. They're going to be very experienced. They added a transfer, Ben Vanderplas from Ohio, who actually was named after Tony Bennett. Uh, his father was a college teammate of Tony's. Um, he's a very polished player. They went to Italy for 10 days, played four games over there, um, so they kind of got that chemistry back going, worked in some really talented freshmen. Uh, this has a chance to be a really special Virginia team, and um, it's funny. People are, are sort of discounting them in some circles because they bring everybody back from a team that was kind of meh, but they're all pretty good players and I think bringing them back uh with the new pieces they've added I think I think they've got a chance to be really special this year.
3: Well, Illinois will remember Ben Vanderplas from when <laughs> they played they hosted Ohio That's here right. at, a, at at an MTA here in Champaign in the COVID season or the one right after the COVID season. So um they would just as soon not see him again as I recall. <laughs> well, the funny thing <laughs> I, is
0: Ben is Ben was a big part of knocking Virginia out of the NCAA tournament you know, that COVID year. That. So Familiar name, yeah.
3: So how are fans distinguishing the Tonys? (laughs) Tony Elliott and Tony Bennett.
0: It is funny sometimes when an an SID will say to me, you know, hey, we're going to do something with Tony. And I kind of pause, and I'm like, (laughs) oh, really? Because Coach Bennett doesn't usually talk to us in the offseason. Oh, no, no, Tony Elliott. Oh, oh, right, yeah, that makes more sense. So, uh, you know, it's funny. They're similar guys in a lot of ways. Their character, what what matters to them, the way they carry themselves, the uh, the way they interact with people who um, you know aren't super high up the chain, right? Uh, I always tell the story of watching Tony Bennett uh, hold the door for some of the custodial staff as they were moving some boxes um, after a game. You know, late night, probably wants to get home, see his family, and he was just kind of standing there holding the door, helping these guys get through. And I think Tony Elliott's very much the same kind of person, and um, that's why culturally, I think they're they're a good fit at UVA.
3: Uh, last one who knows and and everything has been mentioned in the conference reshuffling but if if somehow uh the 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 structure of the acc came a little bit apart there was at one point north carolina and virginia were even mentioned about coming into the big 10 i'm not saying that's imminent or even a real thing at this moment but just the thought of it how does it strike you of uh, of of Virginia moving to the to the Big Ten, or frankly, anywhere else, if something else crazy happens.
0: I think the Big Ten fits uh, academically with the profile, and that's going to be a big deal. Um, ultimately, the presidents have to sign off on a move like that. Uh, I, I think the Big the Big Ten would be the fit for Virginia. But guys, with, with the new announcement about the college football playoff expanding, I think all these leagues are safe for a while. I'm not saying there aren't going to be some moving pieces, but. It felt like we were on crazy train there heading to the two super conferences, and that was going to be it Big Ten and SEC. And I think this announcement uh, of expanding the college football playoff with access for all of the conference champions, with access for a group of five team every year, um, I think that pumps the brakes on all of that. And I think it kind of signals that the SEC and the Big Ten weren't going that direction, right? I mean, mm-hmm. they're, they're the power players. They decide. And if they're on board with this expanded college football playoff, It means that they weren't out to obliterate the Big 12, obliterate the ACC. Uh, So I think we're going to be standing pat. But, yeah, down the road, if things shuffle, and then down the road could certainly be one hour from now. We've learned that. Uh, But I, I think the Big Ten is what makes sense for Virginia. And then I think that's what pushes Virginia Tech to the SEC. I think North Carolina makes sense for the Big Ten. That could be what pushes NC State to the SEC. be interesting to see if somebody wants to keep Duke and Carolina paired up because of that basketball rivalry. I know that's not as valuable as the football stuff, but I think that's good inventory when you're talking about television. So uh, who knows? I'm hoping that we're just off that train for at least let's get through the season and enjoy it <laughs> before we have to start spitballing where people are headed again.
3: Well, Mike, it's great to visit with you. We really appreciate some time. Uh, if you're making the trip out here to Champaign, we wish you well on that. And if not, uh, maybe we'll be crossing paths uh, ahead of the Vegas tournament.
0: I was going to say, or I'll see you at the craps table out in Vegas. <laughs>
3: <laughs> All right, my friend, thank you very much.
0: Thanks for having me. Mike, Thanks, Mike Barber,
3: he is the Virginia beat writer for the Richmond Times-Dispatch, and you can give him a follow at RTD underscore Mike Barber. Good guy. Appreciate his insight. And I thought that was interesting perspective, too, just to say, hey, this is probably why things aren't going anywhere right mm-hmm. now. Okay, come back. Colin Lyke is going to check in ahead of his program. Coming up, we'll do a few other items. Sports Talk. The Athletic and Stadium reporting that the Bulls are signing free agent guard Malcolm Hill to a two-way NBA contract. 3.4 points. Over 10 minutes a game in 16 contests. And I got to see him and uh, I.O. play together on the floor at the United Center this past year. I thought that was pretty cool. My first Bulls game in two decades. It was neat to see. It is neat to see. You get a little like, oh, I remember them when they were just young pups. (laughs) And now look at them, professional basketball players.
4: You sound so old there.
3: (laughs) Colin Likas is in. He covers the younger pups than that. News Gazette preps. He can really talk about that.
2: Right. Are they going to... I know Georgie's under contract with somebody, but are they going to sign him? I know. They should get the band back together. Yeah, that's the plan, but... (laughs) Coincidentally I just, just randomly a couple of nights ago started rewatching for the third time the last dance, so there's my huh. there's your bulls connection <laughs> for the day. Whenever I like can't think of something to watch, even though I have plenty of things that I can watch, I just go back to that for some reason. It's not bad. Yeah. I have never seen the Sopranos. Okay.
3: And I thought, is that something I should get into? You
4: it sounds got, like it. You've gotta have like the laser focus to just watch all episode every episode I for feel like 10 I need have... seasons cuz you'll lo-
3: why cuz you'll forget what's yeah, going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: It's not quite Breaking Bad where like every <laughs> single every single thing matters, but you, you know, doze off for, or look at Twitter for 2 minutes and it's like I have no idea what the heck's going
2: on. <laughs> have no idea why somebody's
4: brain just yeah, fell yeah, off why, the side Yeah, why, why did ear? you die? Why are yeah, you dead?
3: Right. Well, I mean, you can understand generally why they're dead. <laughs> <Yeah>. But <laughs> bad people. But then
4: when it comes back 7 seasons later, you're going to be so lost. <laughs> Uh, We are minutes away from the Surf Pro
3: Prep Football Confidential Show powered by the University of Illinois Army ROTC. Colin, what's on tap?
2: Uh, We've got another jam-packed show. Uh, Muhammad Seymour has been kind of the talk of the town for the entire short season so far, and we'll be hearing from Coach John Adkins to kick off the show. Uh, Going to bring in a couple other coaches from Salt Fork and Paxton. Also going to have three Centennial football players in to discuss how they went down 20 to 14 against Peoria Manual last Friday and then scored 55 unanswered points to win. So, uh I'm sure they're pretty excited about that. They're 2 and 0 going into their week 3 game against Peoria Richwoods and then Champaign Central is on deck in week 4. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll I'll be
3: there for that one, so looking forward to that one. I haven't been at one where in
2: a while where Centennial is probably going to be considered the favorite. I would say Centennial is unequivocally the favorite and that's not meant to slight Central, but Central is 0 and 2, Centennial is 2 and 0 and just piled up 69 points on a fairly good Peoria Manual team. Peoria Manual actually hasn't been very good for quite a while in football, but they're they're not bad this season from from all viewpoints. So, yeah, I would say Centennial unequivocally the favorite, which means Central has the chance to pull the upset. And you mentioned Muhammad. It wasn't too long ago where they were wondering about why don't we have
3: numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we, we're not fielding. We may not, you know, I wondered if they were going to field a
2: team. Sure. And and here they are. Yeah, you wonder if they're going to field all three, I don't think. Uh, ever fielding a varsity roster maybe was in question. But fielding all three, you know, freshman, JV, and varsity, that's, you know, that's certainly probably a question mark for a while. But that's definitely not an issue now. Uh, football is a hot commodity at Muhammad Seymour once again. John Atkins has just got that team feeling all the confidence in the world. They play with such a swagger. they they're even off the field. They have a swagger that's just so identifiable. But, uh, this week is a big one for them. They, uh, go to visit Mount Zion. The Braves are one team who has b- played them very close, even when Muhammad's been good for the last few years. Uh, you know, when Muhammad went unbeaten during the regular season last year, Mount Zion played him within eight points in Muhammad. So, now you get to go to Mount Zion, where the Bulldogs haven't won since 2013. And uh, if you want to keep the unbeaten season alive, you got to beat the Braves.
4: So I know your top ten will come out in, in under an hour here yes. on this show, but I, I see Unity knocking off St. Joe, mm-hmm. who beat Monticello the, the <laughs> week before. Is Unity possibly going to make a run at a state title this year? Uh,
2: we're making a run at a state title. That's always tough to tell. I mean, the uh, the southern half of... Class three A bracket tends to be a little bit softer, and that lends itself to you know our our schools making a run, and then the schools from the northern half of the state uh, occasionally tend to beat up on the southern half teams. Although there have been exceptions, such as when Monticello knocked off Byron a few years mm-hmm. back inside Memorial Stadium. Um, you don't count Unity out, though. I guess that's my long way of saying that. Uh, the, the Prairie Central team they lost to in Week 1 is very good. Uh, I would not be surprised if Prairie Central goes 9-0 in the regular season. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if Unity finishes 8-1 and at this point. Uh, it just feels like those are two really good teams. And honestly, St. Joe's an improved team as well. But I think Unity is still just kind of a step above at this point. And uh, so, yeah, you put the Rockets in a playoff. Situation, Give them a four seed, something like that, if they finish eight and one, and I wouldn't be surprised if they made a run.
4: And I know this is your busy time of year, but are, are you keeping up on the real-life drama going <laughs> on in, in the wrestling world right now? Of
2: course I am. I've, uh, I was just, just reading some of that insane. while you guys were talking Virginia football. I was reading about <laughs> suspensions being handed down uh, within AEW and everybody trying to figure out if it's a work or if it's a shoot. And for those who don't know what that means, it means if it's real or if it's not real within the realm of the fake sports ultimately. <laughs> so yeah, it gets a little meta uh, entertaining. <laughs> yeah. But uh yeah, definitely been paying attention. There was a lot of good wrestling over the weekend, so you had to pay attention.
4: It almost got lost in the yeah. grown men arguing. The grown men biting. arguing about somebody not
2: being able to run a target and things of that nature. Yeah.
4: Work yourself into a shoot. Yeah. It happens all the time. I understand right.
1: everything
3: that's being
2: said. Yes, you do. <laughs> I understand the words. I don't understand <laughs> the meaning.
3: All right, Colin, we'll talk to you. We'll hear from you in just a few minutes. Sounds good, thanks guys. Colin Lica's prep football confidential coming up.